For more information on Ancient Dragon Zen Gate, please visit our website at www.ancientdragon.org. Our teachings are offered to the community through the generosity of our supporters. To make a donation online, please visit our website. Uh, I'm very pleased that uh, tonight Kathy Bingham will be speaking. And for the for new people, uh, Kathy was one of our founders at Ancient Dragons Endgate. She was here before I moved here and uh, has been on the board a couple of times, I think. And uh, very glad to have you speaking this evening, Kathy. Thank you. Thank you, Tygen. I... Uh, I don't know. I can't get the light. I don't know if it's glare, glaring or if it's okay to look at. It's uh, fine. Okay. All right. I, um, I appreciate having the opportunity to speak. Um, it's always kind of humbling, humbling, and it um, gives me an opportunity to think about things that I am trying to figure out or am curious about. And so I will be interested in your comments and discussion um, when I get through with this. Um, I'm, I'm talking about the body as a way of practicing. Um, and I um, trying to understand how awareness of our body being in our body is tied to uh, our meditation practice and to our practice in general. Uh, so here's some of my thoughts. Um, when I when I sit when I begin to sit in meditation, you know, um, often I'm going through this process of first trying to quiet my mind, like my mind's kind of swirling, and I'm. Uh, in a lot of different places and I'm attempting to bring it back, you know, like continually, like looping back. I get distracted again. I, I work to loop it back, maybe focus on my breath. And so it's kind of feels sometimes when I'm doing that, it's kind of like coming at it from the outside in, um, in terms of gradually quieting myself and, um, becoming centered. Um, um, but, the, but I've noticed that sometimes with different kinds of body work, that sometimes it can feel a little more organic than that, or like you're coming at it from the inside out. Um, I'm going to use uh, my experience with yoga tonight, but I think you can re- apply what I'm going to say to any, um, form of movement, walking, Uh, the movement you do during your day, stretching, um, reaching, um, whatever it is. Um, uh, Because my, my experience with yoga has been a deepening path for me. And I recently, you know, when was it? Um, began in March, ended in May, I took a yoga teacher training class. It's the first one I've taken. Um, It doesn't mean I'm ready to be a teacher. It means I've had the teaching. And it was much more um, spiritually focused than I anticipated. And so while we were learning uh, how to be cognizant of the poses, how to teach them safely, uh, there there was also a good deal of emphasis on the fact that yoga was developed as a method to prepare people for meditation. And, um, and so I'm going to refer to some of that tonight. Um, but, but first I'm going to describe some of my own experience um, because I think my experience with it over the years has also been related to my getting more in touch with my own mortality. Um, so when I first began yoga, uh, when I was 50, 
um, I remember somebody thought it would be a good idea. I went to a class. It was uh, the wrong class to start with. I And I remembered being in that class and people... I would, it would, I couldn't get into the poses and I would just barely get into one and people would have been too ahead of me. It was moving so fast. It was an Ashtanga class. I should never have gone into that class. However, it was useful to me to see what I wasn't ready for and what some people were doing. So then I went to a beginner's class for about five years. Um, and this was a class taught by a wonderful yoga teacher who taught endurance, he taught breath, he taught focus, um, he taught uh, staying in your body. Um, and, and by that, I mean reminders on your breathing, on your posture, etc., that tend to pull your mind from thinking about where you parked or what you're doing afterwards or whatever is going on to come back into thinking about um, whether you, your, your shoulders are hiked up or whether you have, can relax them or whether um, uh, your, um, how, how you're holding your posture in general. Um, and so I did that class for about five years and it really made a difference in me um, in building concentration in uh, focusing on the breath, um, on learning how to push myself a little, but not overdo it. Um, it was all part of a very gradual process of sinking into something that was, uh, that built concentration, uh, flexibility, endurance, and humility. Um, and kind of, um, so so after five years of that class, I, I was able to eventually join a variety of other classes. Um, over time, I have shifted in what motivates me about yoga. Um, initially, I was thinking, I want to be able to do it like they do it. You know, I would see somebody who is really good and I, and I go, okay, one day I'm going to do that. Um, and, um, thinking that there was a gold standard that I was reaching for. And that if I just kind of was goal directed and thought of all these small tasks that I could get there, um, it gradually changed into a much more personal path than that. Um, and one that was not so comparative and one that was more aware of my own body and my own, uh, limitations, um, and, and my own path. So, um, grad, I also noticed a gradual shift in myself in my ability to focus. Uh, I began to sink into practice much differently over time, uh, being able to stay focused in, uh, in your body. When you're doing a pose, you're often, your mind you're trying to train it to stay on a particular part of the body, um, depending on what the pose is. Uh, you're noticing resistance. Um, you're trying to maybe um, make a reasonable effort, not strain yourself, but push yourself a little bit. Um, and you're becoming more aware of, of your own capacity. Um, teacher recommendations and cueing is often on the breath and where to place your gaze sometimes draws yourself, your attention to the internal organs being stimulated in a current asana. Um, also, I, I, I gradually began to realize that you fine tune yoga to meet your momentary needs. You know, that my, if I had a cold, I would do it differently than otherwise uh, that um, if I uh, had been biking, I couldn't stretch as much in certain poses because my quads were too tight, you know, or that you, you, um, and also then became aware of other limitations as I was aging. Um, and um, 
and um, a, a shock came to me once when uh, we were sitting around talking after a yoga class and somebody in the class asked, this was a teacher I used to go to occasionally on Sunday night, ask her, why do we do these poses? And uh, I thought, well, that's an interesting question. And, and she, her response was, so that you can um, reach the overhead cabinet in your kitchen uh, so that you can go up and down your stairs um, so that you can uh, reach the things you need to. And I was kind of disappointed in her answer. <laughs> uh, and I was embarrassed how disappointed I was in her answer, but it was, it was like, it took a while for the light to go off um, that that's what this is about. Uh, it is not a striving toward uh, a gold standard. It is, it's functional and it's integral to our, to our lives. The other thing that brought this home was um, I began to see my own limitations. I, I too had a retinal issue about 12 years ago and I had to have surgery to repair a retinal tear. And, um, and I learned you know, more recently that you can't, you shouldn't do headstands after you're 60, about 60. It varies a little for different people, but um, I had assumed I would be getting back to that. And my teacher said, no, it's not recommended because most people over that age, the tissue in their eyes is thinner and you don't put that kind of pressure on them, uh, especially if you've had a problem with it anyway. And, um, and so that was, um, and, and, and also the fact that that doesn't really matter. There's all, lots of other poses. So you adapt and you do other poses that don't uh, threaten or threaten injury to yourself. Or um, you, you find the things that strengthen you that your body needs. So that was like an awareness of giving up this goal of doing this uh, to, I don't know, be competitive or be um, have, have a certain image of myself to rather doing this to be able to maintain strength and focus and, and do a meditative practice that was a match for me and my own capabilities. Um, I, um, so, so I began to focus more on maintaining my health, uh, realizing it's, it's partly practical in terms of aging well, uh, maintaining your health, your balance, your strength, your coordination, uh, but that a bigger part of it has to do with moving into uh, meditative practice. Uh, in fact, um, when I began, so I'm, I'm going to swim around on my notes, I might go back and forth. But when I began the yoga training, I, you know, it was more focused on how yoga was developed to de prepare people for a meditative practice. And I'm going to go through that sequence in a few minutes that uh, probably the adepts get to, but it describes the way this practice um, can move us in that direction. Um, so I've been lucky for years. To, I have a teacher who uh, spent several years in an ashram before he uh, opened this yoga studio. And the ultimate goal of practice there was meditation. So they did Sashin's uh, similar to the ones uh, done at Green Gulch or the, you know, the 30-day, the intensives. Uh, um, and um, he prompts in a way to bring your attention back, and he does it in a way that is that fosters a meditative practice uh, during the movement more than other teachers I've had. So it's bringing attention to your breath, to your drishti, which is where your eyes would be focused. Um, and when you, when you do this, your mind tends to wander less. 
And over the years, I've noticed that I, I tend to automatically now move into this when I, I move into practice. I definitely can do it with when he's leading because of the way he cues, but I'm beginning to be able to do it on my own as well. Um, this has gradually helped me learn to do yoga more easily um, without having to drag myself away from thinking about other things so much, but to be able to be more present and focused um, while I'm doing it. We also, in his yoga classes, do several meditative breathing exercises um, on a regular basis. And um, I think, I, f- I feel the impact of this. Um, and again, it sinks the energy. I mean, you, you um, um, and, and it makes you, uh, it, it helps me in my meditative process, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Uh, it pulls you into your body in a different way because it's hard to think about anything else if if you are doing that practice, and you you get better at it the more the more you do it. I'm going to uh, I'm going to go a couple different directions. First, I'm going to describe read a couple descriptions of uh, a couple yogis and how they describe the change process in yoga, and then I'm going to switch and refer to, um, I'm going to plagiarize Agent Linda Ruth Cutts a little bit, who um, applied this to sitting and preparing to sit. Um, But first, um, Eric Schiffman is um, a yoga scholar who says, yoga is a way of moving into stillness in order to experience the truth of who you are. The practice of yoga is the practice of meditation or inner listening in the poses and meditations as well as all day long. It's a matter of listening inwardly for guidance all the time and then daring enough and trusting enough to do so as you are prompted to do as you are prompted to do. Um, and then um, I don't know if you've heard of Patanjali, but he was a um, second century author um, who wrote a couple of Hindu classics, uh, the Yoga Sutras. Um, and there is an entire process. I, you know, it's like reading through this, it's, it's going to be like, you know, some people spend years to study this. So I'm, I'm not beginning to explain this in depth at all. But I think it's it gives an, a process of how how this can move people uh, further and further into a spiritual practice. Um, through the regulation of practice, the eight limbs are nourished. Um, personal insights begin to manifest. We become aware of what we put in our bodies and how we interact with the world around us. From this type of introspection, the qualities of yama or the ethical precepts, which are much like our precepts, by the way, and niyama, self-observation, begin to develop. Asanas, or the postures, and pranayama, or the breath control, grow when focused awareness of the breath is applied while practicing each posture. As we keep the mind fixed on the sound and quality of our breath, the senses are encouraged to turn inward and the element of pratyahara or sense holding the mind in one place manifests. As we improve our abilities of controlling the senses from wandering during practice, the subtle quality of concentration deepens in the form of dharana or concentration of the mind on one point. In time, the practice moves further internally and refinement of concentration deepens in the form of dharana. At this stage, we are creating greater potential to explore the finest realms of yoga known as samadhi, in which we realize the pure essence of of all that is, which I typically think of the adepts getting to. 
but but it gives it i i like having all of that in one place to see what the process um might look like over time um From my own experience, yoga has helped me stop striving for a particular level of skill, uh, but to learn how to listen to myself and use it for my current state. Um, There's something about that awareness that has helped me become more aware of the more temporary status of my life on this earth uh, and tune into my um, um, impermanence. Um, and so um, I want to shift here and, and refer to, um, you know, when I read this, I, I heard, I listened to a Dharma talk by Agent, I'm not sure I'm saying her first, her Buddhist name correctly, but Agent Linda Ruth Cutts. Um, anyway, she, she gave the introductory um, Dharma talk for Rohatsu it was just recently on November 30th and um, she talked about the practice of settling the whole body. I I recommend that you listen to it because it's the greatest um, preparation for sitting, you know, that I've heard. She ties together the searching that the Buddha went through and ties it into a process. So I'm going to give a shorthand of the, Buddha's story to make the point. Um, As you all know, Buddha was not initially aware of suffering and death because he was protected from it inside the palace. When he got a glimpse of suffering, he became curious and eventually ventured out into the world outside the palace walls and and left uh, permanently. Um, he might have felt, um, how can we act in this oblivious way when we all get old, sick, and die, as he began to realize that. He left the safe palace to find liberation from suffering. He tried for a while uh, to do without food, uh, to do without sleep, um, began to realize those were needed, for strength to continue. Um, he was experimenting with the body. Um, anyway, I'm not going to take that further. This is a shorthand, but, but the idea that then he sat uh, until he um, had, you know, had the, awareness of impermanence, the um, um, till he found Buddha nature. Um, And so thinking about that for a minute, put that aside, but just thinking about that, um, we're kind of going through something similar, maybe in a small way, every time we sit. So uh, she mentioned that we all have been touched by the messengers of old age, sickness, and death, especially this year, either within our families or in what we have watched, uh, the news, the uh, friends, society, uh, the killings, the uh, people dying from COVID. Um, So questions that come from this practice are how do we live in the midst of a life that cannot avoid old age, sickness, and death? We need to remember I am of a nature to grow old. I cannot escape from growing old. I am of nature to die. I cannot escape dying. Everyone I know, everything I know is of the nature to change. I cannot escape this fact. My actions are my only belongings. This is where we have choice. To be conscious of non-harming, we have the capacity to wake up. Then her experience as a yoga teacher comes out as she gave specific instructions about sitting. And um, 
you know, and I, I it was very helpful. Um, but she makes clear how the body can make a difference. The way you sit can either foster tension or it can foster uh, a deeper relaxation. Um, that when you when you focus in and on those on the posture, you you tend to harmonize the body, breath, and mind into a unified whole. Uh, she recommended sitting with the intention of warm-heartedness and tranquil serenity. She noted that Suzuki, Suzuki Roshi recommended bringing your attention to Inzazan to Hara, or the lower abdomen, in a relaxed and resting posture, not in a forceful way. She stated that when feeling in the when the feeling in the body is relaxed, this quiets the racing, chugging along thinking mind. Tension in the body goes along with a racing mind and discursive thinking. She gave a number of more specific uh, uh, details, like the sit bones to be completely uh, level, uh, the the pelvis. Consider it like a bowl with water in it. If you're too far forward or too far back, uh, that's not good. And um, you want to stay balanced. Um, that keeping your, your mouth, your face, your teeth relaxed helps also uh, interrupt discursive thinking. It was interesting how she described different parts of the body that when they're tense, maybe we move more quickly or more into um, a less reset, less an, an, uh, a tense, a tense place. So um, I think, you know, she's also, as in most of Buddha focusing on um, making us aware of impermanence. And I, um, just kind of had these thoughts and wanted to pull them all together. Uh, the Dharma talk, I mean, the uh, chant we did, um, if you want to know the undying person in the hut, don't separate from the skin bag here and now. Um, I remember we were talking briefly last week about Don Kitzler, who used to be um, in our Sangha, who's, I think, Wade, you said you had listened to some of her Dharma talks recently. I remember when one t- when we f- broke apart and looked at this chant once, she reacted to that phrase, don't separate from the skin bag here and now, in a way that she didn't like it. And I remembered at the time thinking, I don't like it either. And um, But then she also described her own process of beginning to understand it and value it. And I... Um, I um, I agree with her. It 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 makes the reality of our own um, impermanence very obvious. I also like using the many of Cat Stevens' quotes. I mean lyrics, but this one particularly: "We're only dancing on this earth for a short while," and so um, I. Yeah. Welcome your thoughts. I think I was thinking about how does our body support our meditation practice and trying to get at in 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 different ways. And so I'm interested in your thoughts whether or not you do yoga. Thank you, Kathy. Um I just want to say a little bit. I think a lot of, well, uh, first of all, Linda Ruth Cutts, who you quoted, is a teacher at Green Gulch Farm and one of my teachers and was the abbess of San Francisco Zen Center. Um, a lot of what you were talking about in terms from the context of yoga and yoga, yoga practice, particularly, specifically in that system, if, if you will, very much applies to zazen. So the, the zazen posture is, it is a yoga posture, classic yoga posture. And oh, I think that the kind of detailed awareness of the body that you were 
speaking of, uh, maybe it becomes more relevant in Zazen during longer sittings, during Sashin, but even during one period, just to, uh, over time, just to really focus on aspects of posture, I think is really helpful. So I really appreciate um, your attention to that and, and, and bringing our attention to that. So uh, anyway, I just wanted to say that. Thank you. And uh, if there are other comments or questions or responses for Kathy, please feel free. I believe Chris has his hand up. Well, first off, thank you so much for the talk. It was really illuminating. Thank you so much for being here. Um, what's funny was when you mentioned, oh, um, are my shoulders hiked? Uh, can I lower them? I immediately felt in my body the realization of my shoulders are hiked. I can lower them. I can feel my, my posture going back and forth. And I understand that maybe it can come to a more level position. What's funny is in communicating these needs of our body and understanding that it can come to a more relaxed position, that focusing on it in certain ways the talk of it as someone who's like very inexperienced at this point with Zazen and trying to develop the reflex of sitting, it's very illuminating just to talk about it. And suddenly the discourse surrounding it becomes a way to relax. So again, thank you so much. This was very illuminating for, I know at least my personal practice. I, thank you. I, I felt lighter coming in and coming out of this. So thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Kathy. I, I really enjoyed this too. Um, it made me think a lot about my own practice um, kind of over the years, how it's connected to Zazen, my own mortality. Um, I've been, I've been doing yoga for about 20 years. And so when I started, you know, I was in my twenties and now I'm 48 and I've had that experience, you know, of like the changing body and how there are certain things that I use certain postures that I used to be able to do more easily that are more challenging or like an arm balance or something that I don't seem to have as much strength for and how, you know, in, in certain moments that's been disappointing or I haven't liked that, or I've had this thought, like I have to get back to that, you know, like the same level I was at before, mm-hmm. you know, instead of maybe accepting um, that, you know, the aging process and that it, it doesn't change. I, I always love, yoga um so it it's it's never it's just sort of like this nagging thing you know like what you know can I get back to that but it made me think about how maybe like if you do yoga throughout your life you know until you die that it's you're getting to feel what your body feels like getting older I mean of course you can feel it no matter what but Mm -hmm. yoga for me is a way to feel what my body feels like and I'm someone who 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 carries a lot of stress in my body, like in my, this triangle of like my head to my shoulders. And even when I'm in an enjoyable situation, I'll notice myself sort of like, I don't know why, like I, everything's tense, you know? And like, even if my mind isn't feeling tense. And so I really need something like yoga to sort of be able to let it go. I mean, Zazen, um, that, that sort of, relationship you know between zazen and and yoga to me it's sort of if i didn't do yoga if i didn't sort of stretch out and like move things and like sort of shake that tension out i feel like i would be super like my body would just hold all the tension during zazen and so you know thinking of yoga as this preparation for zazen um Mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense to me in that way and um I was thinking too, just about sort of my changing feelings towards yoga as a spiritual practice. Um, it, I've, I've often held 
this practice, my practice of sitting is really separate from my yoga practice, even though I know that they're related. Um, I remember when I spent a summer at Tassajara and then I came back to Chicago, I could barely handle my yoga classes because mostly because I felt like the teachers were, and this sounds like so bratty and like, um, but I felt like they were talking about spirituality in like these very surface ways that I couldn't, I just couldn't handle. And of course, then I sort of lost that. And, you know, I continued going to yoga and in the last 10 years, I've been going to a studio that has felt like a spiritual home in a way, in a way that like no other studio ever did. Hmm. Um, but I'm sort of rambling and talking about lots of different no, things. It's helpful. I, it's helpful. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's, your, your talk just made me think about sort of like this long, you know, just the like changing relationship to a practice and to like these two practices and yeah, to my body. And, you know, just, so it was, it was, it was helpful for me to think about, to be able to think about all those things through your talk. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah, I think you made me realize, too, I, I didn't think of yoga at first as a spiritual practice at all, but um, I do now. And I don't know exactly when it changed, but um, it definitely is. And it's interesting because it works in such a different way, um, like you're saying, but it complements uh it definitely complements being able to sink uh, deeper um, or sit and be present. David? Thanks very much, Kathy. Really appreciate your talk. And it's Nice to see you. I, I think it's the case that, that I've never met you in person, um, but it's, it's really good to see you. Um, so yoga has been an on and off presence in my in my life, and there there was a time when it really it really changed my body, uh, uh, really changed my relationship to sciatica, and I had the frozen shoulders and and all of those things. Um, and I remember the first time I went to a yoga retreat and they started teaching us about Patanjali and the yoga sutras and the yamas and niyamas. And I was really surprised that it was tied to this ethical and spiritual tradition. And, and they explained to us that the first, the first sentence of Patanjali's yoga sutra defines yoga as yoga is the stopping of the fluctuating of consciousness. You know, and the teacher said, so yoga is just, Yoga is just meditation. You know, we, we think it's, you know, all these poses and stuff, but, the, but that it's really the same thing as mm-hmm. meditation. And, and I really hadn't thought about that in a long time. And your, your talk reminded me of that. And I was thinking about how it's almost paradoxical that yoga is all about meditation and, 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 and zazen is, is, is all about just the, just the body. It's just sitting. It's just, it's just where's my pelvis? Where's my back? Where's my breath? Mm-hmm. Um, that, that, it, that it's just sitting. Um, and I feel inspired to go back to yoga too, which, which is part of, that's part of my relation to yoga. I'm always either off it or on it. Um, I don't know. I've heard it said that that's yoga too. You know, being off and on it is also practicing. Mm-hmm. Whereas Zazen feels like an everyday practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm glad you said the thing about, uh, about no, uh, no headstand after 60, because I don't have a yoga teacher these days. And I was looking forward to getting back to standing on my head. So I better not do that. <laughs> well, you can, maybe there's some individual um, difference around that. You can inquire once you're with a yoga teacher, but yeah, I would be cautious. I don't think I'll risk it. Yeah. 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 Thank you for your comments. And I was just going to say, um, yeah. So there's the, awareness of your body and moving into a more meditative way of being in yoga. But there's also the becoming aware of your own immortality. You're that in a different way, because you're aware of your aging. Um, And I was also going to say that I think you can apply this, you know, for people who don't do yoga, it's, it's like you can apply this to movement in general, Um, you know, like taking a walk and, um, attempting to be aware of um, in your body and not, and not, you know, not on your phone or not in your thinking what's next or what's my schedule or 
but to be present with whatever is around you and as well as your your own reaction to it um uh to be able to feel your arms swing or your um your heels sink into the ground to to you that is another way to also be aware uh and experience your body ed hey thanks kathy it's always a pleasure i love your i love your speaking style and whenever you speak i think of i think of the the great picnics you have in your house by the way (laughs) um I did also about five years ago, I took a yoga class and unlike yourself, have never taken one since. It was so difficult and so challenging. I just never went back. But then my, my question is, and you alluded to this, often when I get out and off the L or a bus pre-COVID, I feel like I'm in a yoga position almost. When I'm in public transportation because there's this weird movement with the vehicle, vehicular movement. Uh-huh. And yet I'm restricted in terms of my action in company with others in a public realm. And I'm very conscious of my body's physical space occupying mm-hmm. the train. Is that a similar kind of emotional or intellectual or psychological or physical or spiritual experience? Wow. Well, first, I want to say I know what you're talking about. And sometimes I've been on the train and... And maybe you barely are holding on or maybe you're not holding on because there's not room to hold on. And you realize that everybody's trying to balance in the same way and you're swaying kind of as a group. Uh, um, I, you know, I think, yeah, it's like, so being aware of your body, being aware of um, that sensation, it takes more when you're in a situation like that, you, you're handling your body takes more of your attention. So more of your, your full attention is going on that, um, which is part of what I'm talking about here. Um, thank you for your, thanks for your comments. Doug. Um, Just go ahead. <laughs> a, oh, there, oh, I'm there. sorry. Okay. Um, <laughs> thank you so much, Kathy. I uh, I had a tear in my retina about, uh, I guess it's 45 years ago now. And uh, so that I connected right off the bat with that. And also uh, being 66, I know I have an inversion machine and I've noticed that you know, I don't, I very rarely get on it, but I've noticed that there's a completely different feeling than I used to get out of it. And I, 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 I'm so glad to hear that also. That's, that's important for me to, to kind of avoid. Um, I've been like many, um, probably not as intensely, but, you know, gone to yoga classes, you know, maybe three a year for the last 40 years, I suppose at festivals and whatnot. And, um, I, uh, you know, I think maybe from taking a massage class, I learned some kind of self massage where I rock on the floor and kind of stretch back out that way. I, I hold on to my knees or I hold on to my feet and, and I can get a good stretch. And I, I'm finding I, you know, that it is so connected to the medit- to my, to my sitting that I need to do, you know, I really want to and need to do that before, before sitting. So I, I can, I'm not quite so tense in my practice. And, mm-hmm. um, and I also really appreciated you, you talking about the monkey brain and, and early on and how it, how we just keep coming back to the breath. And, and I was, I had a question about, you know, sometimes people say to um, in posture to uh, um, and, and in, in to count the breath. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, I've had this question for a while, and I don't know why I haven't asked somebody before. But if you're counting, do you go one in and one out? Or is it, do you try to combine them? And also my other question is on, on walking meditation, 
how uh, could you speak about that a little bit? I, I know there's a specific way, okay. and I I need to hear that again. And Tigan, did you want to say something before I respond to him? You're you're not mute. You're uh, muted. Uh, sorry, I can just say a little bit about how we usually talk, uh, Doug, uh, about uh, about counting breaths and. Uh, that sometimes, especially maybe when you're starting out, that it's helpful. But the way to do that uh, is at the end of the exhale, silently one, the end of the next exhale, silently two, up to 10 and then start over. Or if you lose count, just you could just start again at one, uh, but, not, but not, not inhale and exhale, just after one full inhale and exhale at the end of the exhale. Uh, that's what we usually say. Uh, and after a while, you may find that you don't need the number, but just to pay attention to the process of breathing. Right. Um, I'm, I'm finding I'm finding that already a little bit. But um, and then uh, I, w- I wanted to cut. I had a question for Kathy based on what Ed said, but I just uh, to say something to Doug about walking, and and you and you may want to say something too, Kathy, about this from a yoga perspective. But usually, the instruction that we have. For walking meditation, and I know you uh, have joined us since we've been away from the temple, but usually we do this very slow walking when we're doing formal walking meditation, where you inhale as you lift your foot and exhale as you place it down and as you feel the ground. And it's very slow, um, although you can just be walking at a normal pace and also do that. Just be aware of inhale and ex- inhale and exhale with your with your steps. Um, so you may want to say something more about that, Kathy, but I had a question for you also uh, okay. coming back to what, going back to what Ed said, which is, as you were talking, I was thinking about this, what you were saying about yoga uh, felt very obviously very relevant to our sitting practice, which is very much about body awareness or physical, or physical awareness, sensation awareness, just awareness and in Buddhism, we say that thoughts are just sensations. You know, where, but just to be present in the body and be aware of what's going on around us. But, I, but uh, when, when Ed was talking about being on the L or whatever, or on the bus, I was, I was wondering as you were talking about how you see yoga and its relevance to, say, work practice. Uh, or physical practice. I know Paul can talk a lot about this, but uh, the physical awareness, you know, while you're uh, cleaning the floor, washing the dishes, or, you know, just or ordinary everyday activities, that to take it out of the, the yogic practice of sitting or whatever asana you're doing, uh, so I wonder if you could say something about that, Kathy. And if you want to say something about the counting uh, also, please. Okay. Uh, yeah, that is um, definitely, you know, the function of yoga is to be functional in your life. Um, and um, so whether it's um, balancing as you're walking around your house or you're we're doing work practice uh, or we're bending over or reaching um, that, um, you know, it's like in, during work period, we're trying to do that in a meditative space. And it's interesting that we're talking about this because I can, that's when the goal-directed part of me can come out. Uh, the part of, okay, if we're going to get all this clean, we need to go this fast and you do this and you do this. You know, there's a there's a part of me that gets activated that kind of... Um, um, is begins to think that way, you know, whereas um, leaders have always said, you know, we'll stop at the end of what, what is it? 15, 20 minutes, uh, no matter what. And, um, and so that allows you to kind of let go of that goal directedness and um, sink into being present in your body. And yeah, it's an opportunity to be aware of um, your posture or just your, yourself in relation to the tools you're using or the, the space, the other people. Um, right. Um, 
about the walking meditation. I, I don't have much more to say about that. I, I think, um, Ken Hin is, is similar to yoga. I mean, it's like a, it's a meditative walking it, and your breath is synchronized with the movement, which it also is in yoga. Um, and uh, there's something about that awareness, staying awareness, you know, like putting one foot down and uh, pausing, um, like synchronizing the breath that keeps you centered. It also keeps the group somehow connected in a different way because you're all doing the same thing. So there is a group energy that forms uh, in a situation like that, as well as in a yoga class when people are breathing in and out in synchronicity uh, or um, moving generally in the same rhythm. That's supportive to the whole process. David? Wait, you're 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 muted, David. Okay, sorry about that. Um, and also, no. Before I go on, I just want to ask Pusheen. I saw that your hand was up. Do you want to say something before I do? Go ahead, David. Okay. All right. Um, Kathy, thank you very much. Uh, it's interesting because when I've done yoga. Um, the spiritual wasn't accentuated at all. It wasn't, you know, it was all about trying to do the, the postures. And I thought being a competitive athlete, you know, when I was younger, it was always, you know, how far can I push myself and push my body? And I never, um, I never found yoga useful. <laughs> but what you're saying now is, is, is very useful because it is about, how are you? I know now when I stretch, just playing stretch, not yoga, I could feel myself and sure I want to push, but it's more about breathing in and relaxing and letting my body relax a little bit. And in a certain sense, it clears my mind. And I know when I sit, I become very aware of my, my posture or my shoulders slumping forward. My standing up straight is my head bowed forward or is my spine more erect? And I find that the more I get my body centered, the more my emotional energy, my spiritual energy seems to come out. Yeah. There is a connection there. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, so I really appreciate what you said, because somehow I have a tendency to separate the physical from, from the spiritual or, or, or the practice side of it. Mm-hmm. So thank you for your, your talk. It shows that they're both they're tied together. Right. Tied together. Right. And um, yoga is not for everybody. I mean, there's a lot of different practices that people do, or maybe you just, you know, hike and walk and uh, um, um, and because I think you have to get into yoga and do it for a while to get the basics down before it becomes more available to you to get a comfort with it. But, but what you're talking about sitting, you know, it's like Linda Ruth Cutts was also saying in her talk that it's important what you were talking about before we settle into a stationary position to stretch, you know, to kind of move side to side to um, stretch our legs to make sure that our knees, that one's not hanging out in space, you know, to that we're grounded, that uh, bringing our shoulders down, um, stretching our back, uh, keeping our chin level, you know, and and those all take little adjustments that allow your muscles to move and you to get uh, comfortable in space, which is helpful. and then sitting. Yeah. So thank you for your thank you for your comments. Uh, Fushin. Thank you, Kathy. 
I have a question about what you would say for you. Is there a difference between trying to trying to stop your mind and the and the kind of awareness that you're speaking of, body awareness that comes in yoga practice? Um, I mean, I, 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 Patanjali, is, you know, talks about the stopping of the turnings of the mind. But in Zen, you know, of course, the emphasis is on not trying to mess around with, with your mind. I mean, if I try to stop my mind, it just gets into this big mess so so maybe you could say something about that i'd appreciate that yeah well i i will but i'll have to be backed up by tygen here in that um i can say what i like (laughs) you know it's like there is it definitely is easier for me to sit uh in zazen after doing yoga uh because I have focused on my breathing, my mind has moved into my body. I um, am feeling more connected and can quiet myself. Um, I find that kind of dropping things away to be very useful to me. Um, sometimes in ways that are indirect. So my mind's not, I can't describe it in a linear way, but in an indirect way, I realize that sometimes I have insights from those experiences that are uh, much more useful to me. Um, It kind of moves me just into a different space. And um, I, so I do like to do yoga or I like to sit after doing yoga um, more but I'm not sure that's the correct way or the recommended way, Tygen. Well, um, I appreciate Fushin's question, um, and I appreciate your response. And I think to some extent it's different for different people. But, yes, a big part of Zazen is just being uh, aware of your – being physically aware, being aware of your body. That that body is body and mind are not separate, um, but trying to try trying to stop the mind or trying to stop thoughts uh, is not the point exactly. Uh, as Fushin was saying, that can just get into a lot of tangles. But the way Kathy, the way you said it, uh, is actually just right. It just it, when you're aware of your body and and I think for me too, doing some stretching or whatever first, it helps. Uh, for some, there are, and there are lots of physical practices that people do uh, that are that are uh, complementary to to Zen, to Zazen. Uh, yoga is one of them. Tai Chi. There's others. Uh, but uh, being physically aware, the, I forget exactly how you said it, but just that you try. Yeah. The, yes, the mind drops away. The, the thinking mind sort of drops away at times. You know, it's not like you get rid of your thinking mind. That's not the point. But the 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 kind of monkey mind, somebody referred to, mm-hmm. just sort of lets go a little bit, drops away sometimes, and and you can just feel that physically. And um, so that's different from trying to stop the mind from thinking. It's really different. Um, uh, so uh, just letting go has to do with what you also said about quieting, just just quieting the whole situation. It's not quieting the mind as opposed to the body. It's just sitting, being present and upright, and just letting, letting yourself quiet. And then, you know, at times, the thinking just drops away. Does that, does that respond to what you were asking, Fushin? Directly. Thank you very much. And, um, yeah, the, the, you know, my, the way I approach sometimes Zazen, you know, by my mind is spinning and I keep trying to bring it back, you know, maybe I, but maybe that is not the right way. Maybe it's okay to be thinking about my schedule and about this and that and the other, but, but, but it is a, it, it does feel like I, 
I move that that it's it's a good thing when it drops away. You know, that feels like the right thing. And so I, f- I feel motivated to try to get to there when I can. <laughs> well, if I may, letting it drop away, that feels good. But then that you should allow <laughs> all the all the other stuff to come back. <laughs> well, and I was going to say that breathing is is such a relief because it's not a thought at all. I mean, we can have thoughts about breathing, but and you know, then realizing that body mind is not tied up in thought is really it's an amazing that's that and breathing helps that i've always loved returning to the breath because it's not something that's going on in my brain you know anyway thank you right it's going on in your body right thank you yeah, it is. We're sort of at time, but I was going to ask Paul if you have any comments on this whole discussion. Well, um, I find myself in the role as the uh, the old Zen curmudgeon. Um, then at Tassahara in the early days, Suzuki was very much against yoga. And the feeling was that... Um, well, there's two, there's two things about it. One, one is that it's just another practice, and that we have a, we have a, the Americans have a tendency to be fickle and flirt back and forth between different practices and try this and try that, rather than delving into one thing fully. And the other is that though though, though yoga is very closely associated with 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 zazen, with 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 zen, with with meditation, and it's it's you know it's a very close it's it's they're they're part of out there they're cut out of the same cloth. Um, but there's a little more opportunity to have gaining ideas in with yoga than there is with just sitting. So there's a tendency, not not in the beginning, of course, because you're struggling. As long as you're struggling, everything's fine. But once you stop struggling and you start to to, to master it, there's a there's a, a there's a chance to feel some attainment or some superiority or or some. I look so much better in my clothes now, or you know, there's various <laughs> things that you can get involved in. Um, so, so, but the way that you folks are talking about it, I think is very, is very proper. It's very helpful. I think, I think, I think it's very, on that level that you're dealing with it, it's, 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 it's very useful to, to think about the, the mind, and the, the, how the mind and the body work together. I think yoga is a very, very useful for that, to understand that relationship. And it's a helpful for, for meditation. It's just that if you get really good at it, it turns into something else again. But um, that's, anyway, I, that's the, that's my wet blanket thought for the moment. <laughs> Thank you, Paul. I was just going to say, I, I appreciate that. Um, it's where I feel very lucky to have the teacher I do in yoga in that, he really discourages that because he uh, sees this as a means toward developing a meditation practice. And, and that as we age, that is the goal. Um, and um, he's doing less glamorous things, more pragmatic things as he ages, uh, which kind of, takes away from that sense of gaining anyway but i i i I get the risks i like the idea of unglamorous yoga (laughs) (laughs) david we should we're getting uh a little late but david ray yeah you have a comment thank you Uh, yeah um I want to tell a story uh, that, that feels right on point with this. So I was at a yoga retreat with this really, you know, really very famous yoga teacher. And there was this guy who was 70 years old who just showed up and he hadn't been doing yoga. And we were like, what is, what is going to happen? How is, how is this going to play out? And there's this moment where the, seven, where he, the, the teacher called all the other students over and he said, look at this man. And the, and the man was, was, was on, on his back. He was doing the instruction with, with, with his, his foot up, holding it by a strap. And he said, and the teacher said, look at this man. 
He's following the instruction. He's not trying to make his leg look straight. You guys have all learned how to fake it. You've learned how to make your triangle pose look good, you know, by, by, by just, you know, but you know, this man is doing yoga. This, this is the wholehearted, sincere practice of yoga. You know? <laughs> yoga is for us. It's for, it's for middle-aged and, and older people like me. It's not, it's not for yoga girls who can tie themselves in pretzels. Anyway, right. Just, right. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, that's true. <laughs> That's all yoga. Okay. <laughs> so, um, thanks for listening. Thank you very much for the talk, Kathy. It really uh, provokes a lot of uh, a lot of useful uh, thinking. So, uh, and bodying. Uh, <laughs> uh, any last comments or questions before we do our closing chat? Okay, uh, Wade, if you will. One moment, please, while I um, pull up the words for anyone that may want them. Beings are numberless, I vow to free them. Delusions are inexhaustible, I vow to end them. Dharma gates are boundless, I vow to enter them. Buddha's way is unsurpassable, I vow to realize it. Beings are numberless, I vow to free them, delusions are inexhaustible, I vow to end them, dharma gates are boundless, I vow to enter them, Buddha's way is unsurpassable, I vow to realize it, Beings are numberless, I vow to free them, delusions are inexhaustible, I vow to end them, dharma gates are boundless, I vow to enter them, Buddha's way is unsurpassable, I vow to realize it.